will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Not only is big government the problem, big corporations in bed with big government are even bigger problem. And boy, that's a marriage made in hell. Uh, our guest uh, this this evening is Daryl McClanahan, Missouri. How are you doing, Daryl? Good. How are you? Thanks yeah, for good. having me. Yeah. So uh, I see in the papers the uh, Missouri Attorney General is going after corruption in the state of Missouri. Is that right? Uh, no, I hadn't seen that story. Oh, no? Okay. So what, what do you think of the, <laughs> of the attorney general? I did general? see a story where several, uh, a bunch of uh, like 20 attorney generals are going after Biden. I saw that story. Ah. But the attorney general we have now is Eric Schmidt, uh-huh. and he's out campaigning on uh, Missourians' dollars. I mean, he's going to the Supreme Court to argue the uh, Title 42 case, and then he's campaigning and and uh, he should be doing the job the people hired him to do. And, uh, you know, he wrote okay. a letter to Matt Thompson, uh, an advocate for Jeffrey Winehouse, and he said he, he didn't represent the people. He represented the state. Uh, oh, wow. And I, I believe he represents <laughs> the people first. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Because uh, if he represents the state, what, against the people? <laughs> Is that what he's saying? Well, okay. he's a top cop, yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow. So any news on the corruption front with the uh, police in your neck of the woods? Anybody, uh, are they still getting away with murder and corruption and all that kind of stuff in, in your oh, state? Oh, yeah, not a, not a word. I mean, uh, Mark McClowski, who's running, he's, he's traveling all over the state meeting people. And really, I, I just feel like all he did was point his gun at some black people. I had I had white guys waving guns in front of my house because they didn't like I flew the Trump flag. Right. And uh, I, spoke, I, I spoke out against, uh, against their, uh, you know, bothering my family. And we were threatened with a firearm and uh, no, nothing was done. Yet he's a rich man with a million dollar home. Uh-huh. And Trump sends, him, uh, Trump sends him private security. Wow. And, and he, takes a, he takes a plea bargain. And gives them his AR-15, and he's an attorney and doesn't keep Black Lives Matter tied up in court. So, the uh, the the corruption is uh, nothing. You don't hear anyone talking about. Uh, you know, it's this week, all last week. It's uh, National Police Week, and everyone's rah rah the police. I'm not anti law enforcement. We want accountability. Yeah, you want honest law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. No special privileges for special people, and. When they mis- make a mistake, they have to own up to it. We'll be held accountable, and we'll have to own up to our mistakes, and they should have to do the same thing. Yeah. Well, this, uh, unfortunately, the situation with the media is that since they cover up so much corruption in politics, economics, big pharma, etc., that uh, they're in the business 
of cooperating with all the corruption. And so it's not likely that mass media will help an honest politician. It doesn't seem like it to me. What do you think? No, I got a letter from Art Jones, which was very nice. So if he's listening, okay. he should give me a call. Oh, okay. Uh, I left a message for him. But uh, the media is such liars. You look at the Nazis that have uh, surrendered in uh, Mariupol from the Azastov uh, steel plant. And they clearly are surrendering to Russian forces. And I just watched a video where they had them take their shirts off and everything. And they got all kinds of uh, white power <laughs> uh, Nazi tattoos and pictures of Hitler and everything on them. But right. our media reports that they're evacuating. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're evacuating to a prison camp. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that's, I guess that's not quite inaccurate reporting. <laughs> they are it's evacuating. Totally leading for the dummies that, yes. that watch uh, TV. Right, ABC, NBC, CBS, the uh, the uh, the networks, the Fox, all you know, they're they're evacuating. Yes, yes. So uh, the the more the mass media controls people's mind, the less uh, the people are informed. Of course, this is really nothing new. I think it was Samuel Clemens, the uh, you know uh, the famous writer from your state, the Mark state of Mis- yeah, Mark, Mark Twain. Yeah. He said, "If you don't read the newspapers, you're uninformed. If you do read the newspapers, you're misinformed." Okay, so that was way back when, and it really has not changed at all, because the media, newspapers, television, they're always very biased, number one, in favor of their advertisers, such as the drug companies, and then also in in terms of the warmongers. They always want to promote war, uh, but from behind the scenes, right? They, They can't, they can't. I come out openly and say, we are warmongers. We want war. Okay. So they play the game of, you know, well, d- defense, you know, like uh, Ukraine is defending itself from Russian uh, you know, assault. Back to, you know, back to America with Mark McClowski, he's from St. Louis, and I get notifications from the St. Louis news station. I watch the St. Louis news, the Kansas City news, the Joplin, Missouri, Springfield. I watch all the major cities here news and try to keep up with it a little bit. And every single day there's a killing in St. Louis, Louis, which I'm sure you're not surprised that, that, because that's what, there's several probably a day in Chicago. Oh, yeah. But for St. Louis, I mean, used to it was maybe every other day or once a week. And it used to be Kansas City so much, but Kansas City has really settled down, and and I think they're pretty much civilized there. You know, (laughs) they're not trying to kill each other off. Okay. And uh, St. Louis, I guess, is just uh, really became a, a shooting gallery of uh, the black on black crime. And uh, I think yeah. the only thing that's going to uh, cure that is the traditional family. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, conservative values, you know, and Christian values, mm-hmm. which are not yeah. being portrayed by that's another complaint we have against mass media. It, uh, uh, it's, you can't say that they bash Christianity so much, but they do not promote Christianity, except for the Pope, <laughs> right? Whatever, for Easter and Christmas and, and things, and uh, what's that New Orleans 
parade, right? <laughs> the, the, oh, the, the Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. They'll bring out the Pope for this and that. But other than that, uh, Christianity is a, a taboo su- subject for mass media. Absolutely taboo. See, well, yeah, and, and it's uh, you can do everything to defame God and and uh, to, uh, unspeakable stuff and and it's all all right. And, and if you say anything uh, against the homosexuals, this monkey pox, it's, it's, I just saw a story that in Spain, they had a huge uh, homosexual gathering and they believe that this is what. AIDS all over again. Probably another strain of AIDS. Right. Well, they're putting AIDS in in the shots, right. That are being put out there. They definitely have AIDS in the shots, right. And, and they're saying that if you're around one of these sick, sick in both ways, sick in the mind and yeah. sick in the body, right. these people, and they cough, that it can be airborne and you could get it. I don't, you know, I saw several people posting on Facebook today that uh, I'm not taking their monkeypox vaccine either. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so what's the situation uh, with regard to... Uh, masks and uh, injections going on in Missouri because I know you're posted. I think it's pretty backed off. I mean, I don't see a lot of people wearing masks or at all. And there are still, uh, I think we were in Ozark, Missouri a month ago and my wife went and there's a, a St. George donuts and they make the really good donuts. She likes to get donuts from there. They're homemade and everything. So we had to stop in there and get some donuts. Okay. And uh, there was a guy in the car. He uh, pulled up. He had his mask on. He went and got donuts. He got back in the car. He had his mask on. I was waiting in the truck with children. And he's by himself, and he's wearing a mask. Right. (laughs) What what have they done to these people's minds? They have just molded their minds and and the fear. Uh, Not that I don't have fear. I'm a human, and and, – I'm 55 years old with little children. I just put some pictures of them up today. I was having lunch, and and I love my family so much, and and that's the biggest fear that I I have is is if something were to happen to me, uh, you know, as all men should should yeah. be concerned about the safety of their family. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We have Eric Greitens here in Missouri, and a, a, a commenter I, I post all over Daryl McClanahan, Missouri first candidate. Uh, for U.S. Senate, and I put the Missouri first for the Trump tards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, and I got a response saying they're going to all the Missouri. They said good luck to me. And and it was I had commented on a story that the media had put out here, Springfield KY3, that Greitens was ahead. And uh, I said they're phony. Oh. Uh, that when, I've talked to lots of women who are not going to vote for him. And they said they're going to vote the party line. This is what the person said. Good luck to you, but th- they're going to vote the party line, and they're going to listen to the mainstream media. Oh, boy. Well, party line in uh, Missouri is conservative, right? Republican. Yeah, it's Republican, yes. They're, okay. Yeah, but they're going to vote for whoever Oh. The, okay. the, the, whoever they say is what they were getting at. They were saying that, you know, if the media says that he's ahead and he's a good guy, even though we know the yeah. truth. Right. That he's not, he's, you know, he's had a sex scandal. This is why he lost, he was only governor for two years and lost the governorship. 
and he's got big money, big dark yeah. money behind him. You know, the Home Depot giving him a million dollars, and uh, you know, and he's just traveling around Buffalo and people, and and he's accused of beating his wife up. We don't know how true that is, but he is divorced and split up from his wife from an affair. So okay. if this guy can't manage his family, how's he going to manage <laughs> uh, Missouri? Uh, I've got problems. I'm not perfect, but you know, my wife put uh, posted on my timeline today, which I don't really like people doing because she can, but I've had other people do it. And I told her I blocked her, but there was a story about uh, COVID money and she thinks that he needs to hurry up and make it. So she put on there to, that, uh, that I'm passionate about what uh, uh, issues in America and, and what's going on. And, and we have a family and, and we've been married 11 years and I'm, I'm proud of my family. We struggle. Uh, like everyone, we're blessed that, you know, I heard an ad on, the, I listened to Swap Shop show up in Butler, Missouri, and, and that's on at 11 o'clock every day. And, and you know, you call up, means buy, sell, trade, what you want, you can put guns on there, uh, whatever you want. And they were asking for the local shelter. The uh, local shelter had called and said they need food and uh, uh, yeah. hygiene items because they're they're out they're the 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 places around the country are really getting hit the inflation i heard gas is seven dollars or diesel seven dollars a gallon in california gasoline six dollars a gallon the right. people are not going to be able the working people are not going to be able to take this i mean there's a civil war reenactment in carthage today they were shooting uh cannons or the first battle of the civil war was in carthage missouri uh between the missouri guard and uh, Union troops from St. Louis had okay. came to Carthage, and the, and we didn't. We could have went. The rain kind of lit up, but really, we can't afford fuel to go two days. Uh-huh, and and right. it was raining. I mean, it's an hour down there and back. It, it'll cost us a hundred dollars to go down there, and we, right. we have that's that to incredible. Do, do something with the children. How many people have to stay home because? Yeah, yeah, they don't have fuel money. Yeah, well, the supply chain issues are getting worse and worse. And uh, but the gasoline prices are just a tip of the iceberg, because this is global. The supply chain problems are global, because number one, China is having all kinds of problems with its infrastructure. It uh, you know, and uh, the lockdown in Shanghai, twenty six million people, and Shanghai is their biggest port. So there's... I think they're doing this to to hurt us. I think so. Uh, I've been following us. Uh, uh, check out Southern Prepper. And the Southern Prepper guy, he was like a consultant for the Doomsday Preppers, and he's got a real good YouTube channel. He does like short videos, but he's been he did a 15 minute video today. On he literally has hundreds of people, and he can't tell their names or anything. But in big corporations and hospitals, saying they don't have stuff, they're laying people. He says within right. the next couple of weeks, there's going to be huge layoffs. They don't have motherboards for heating and air conditioning oh boy. to do repairs in Arizona. One guy, they don't have gauze in hospitals. Uh, you yeah. know, we know the computer chip crisis they had on the new vehicles and everything uh, held up vehicles. Yeah, uh, these little parts can really. They said the Walmart hub, which I know he didn't say where it was, but I know it's Bentonville, Arkansas. Right. Normally has two hundred two hundred trucks a day to unload. And they're getting 50 trucks a day to unload. And they got people sit going and taking a long lunch or, or they're yeah. laying people off. So wow. I, I wow. think it's going to hit harder than people think, even harder than we think. We're, we're not nearly prepared enough. I mean, we have a little bit of preparedness. And uh, yeah, it's going to well, be God's 
protecting uh, Christians in America. Yes, I agree. Certainly the government we know is not going to protect us. Right. Yeah. They won't tell us the truth. So they, what, 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 what will they tell us the truth about? Right. Yeah. I really think that people, uh, our people have to think locally and uh, act act locally, think locally and act locally now because all these shortages are going to be local. And you can't depend on the international supply routes anymore. Of course, these international supply routes began in the 1960s when uh, the Japanese were importing oil into America at subsidized prices. The Japanese government was subsidizing imported steel and putting American steel manufacturers out of business. And then we had GATT and NAFTA and all of the outsourcing of jobs by Americans to overseas. So... The American worker has been the target of all of this outsourcing for now 40, 50, 60 years, and now it's finally beginning to hit home. Oh, about 10, no, it's maybe been 20 years ago, the price of scrap iron got up to like $350 a ton. I helped the old guy work for, clean up a junkyard, and he said, I'll pay you. Ten bucks an hour, Daryl, to help me load up this flatbed trailer with this old junkyard because the price of scrap was so high, and he had heard that in the paper. And so we went down there with the tractor. He's like 86 years old. He said, I'll just point, and you load and tie down. We, He said, now, if you don't want by the hour, uh, I'll yeah. split it with you. And I said, well, just pay me by the hour, and I should have split it with him because <laughs> we it was 350 a ton. But that Southern Prepper reported uh, the other day that it's like, uh, uh, six cents a pound. Now. Oh. I think. When, <laughs> I think when it was uh, uh, three hundred and fifty, you can figure the price of scrap is in the toilet. Right. And and, uh, and he had a little load of scrap iron that he bought for preparedness. And his thing is he wants to have a little ho- uh, hardware store when the grid goes down, just like screws, bolts. Not enough to build a house, but enough to you know help someone with repairs and things like that. Sure. And I have a lot of stuff like that. And I'm very handy, so I hopefully, you know, and he was saying, too, if you have $10,000, uh, cash it in. Buy something that's uh, material, you know. Yeah. Guns, ammo. Yeah. Food. Food. <laughs> right. Stuff for food for your family, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, all... he's a little extreme, da-da-da, my wife makes fun of it. There's one guy, the da-da-da, uh, the he's, you know, it's always the bad news, you know, be prepared. But I, I think... It's by design. This right. is definitely this fuel that the, they've shut down the uh, the refineries and and uh, Biden. You know, as soon as he came in there, he, he yeah. Uh, yeah, shut down the pipelines, shut, shut down, yeah, yeah, and and, shut uh, down the one in uh, yeah, uh, all North of Dakota. The, they were right, yeah, all in the name of global warming, right, and, and the uh, green the greenhouse uh, gases and what what have you, and of course. The, the alternative, the so-called green energy, doesn't nearly provide the same amount of energy as uh, oil and coal, etc. So uh, we see there's a slowdown in that as well. So uh, any any positive signs on, on the economy locally or in uh, Missouri at all? I I don't know. I mean, the, there's not a lot of. I mean, there's, I know there's a Ford plant in uh, Kansas city and we do have some manufacturing here, but uh-huh. we're just keeping it smoothed over. I think until it, I, I just don't know what's, they send $40 billion 
to Ukraine. And I've been following this John Kennedy out of Louisiana, who a lot of people like and everything. And he put this video up the other day saying, you know, uh, I think for American security, I, I voted to send them the $40 billion. And oh, everyone boy. on there is writing hate. What about American families first? What right. about, you know, they, they're not going to have any water in California. They could be building a a, a desalination uh, where they turn the seawater into drinking water. They yeah. Could, they're, they could, uh, they could, I mean, at least send it. Uh, send another stimulus check to everyone and just uh, put <laughs> right. it in the, at least at least everybody could uh, buy food and temporarily I, I don't know what we could do. But yeah. why the hell are they sending it to Ukraine? To, right. And all they're going to do is prolong human suffering as right. fast as they get these howitzers, the uh, military equipment, the Pentagon sending Russia destroys it immediately. As right. soon as they, and then it, it they're just causing more human suffering. Uh, and Russia ain't going to back down. Russia will is not going to back down. That's right. That's right. It's a lost cause for Ukraine, but uh, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, doesn't seem to care. And like when he made the statement that we'll fight to the last Ukrainian, <laughs> that that was a he very to get out, you know. And and and, and me and you were uh, anti-war. We're against the war, and they try to demonize people that oh we don't we yeah, we want to anti-war. See, uh, Ukraine not have their sovereignty. I want to see little countries have their sovereignty. I don't want to see communism take over the world. But when it comes to taking care of our people, Americans, that comes first. And all these liars up there in Washington, D.C., I mean, I don't – if I could be blessed enough to go up there, I would be saying no. I would be saying no to a whole lot of things. You can't buy me. I'd be all right with the – 175 a year it pays for being a senator and they all go up there and they're not worth nothing and then they're worth millions of dollars because they're getting paid off by the lobbyists and all these special deals and everything you 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 know that's the one thing ron paul was known for was for always voting no right he threw schaefer cox under the bus oh yeah when they asked him about him years ago and a lot of people don't like that but you know maybe they threaten your family uh, but I don't think John Kennedy was threatened to. I think he, because there's big oil in Louisiana and and the, the deeps that maybe weapons manufacture. I don't know what it is. Something uh, got to him where he's going to vote. There were 11 senators. I hadn't had the time to look it up yet, but there were 11 who voted no. I'm sure Rand Paul was one of them. Uh-huh. And and what about American families? Yeah. Hardworking people. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're yeah. working for not. We're just working for nothing. I mean, you're working for a house payment. You're working for a car payment. You're working to put food on the table and what? It, there's no saving any money. My wife is really big on wanting to save money. She's like just that type of personality to want to be a saver. Right. And we can't do it. Yeah. Well, housing prices are skyrocketing, and then the availability of houses is d- declining as well. So uh, it's it's another Truth squeeze. Stream media. Truth Stream Media, she did a good hour and a half thing all about the housing crisis. There's been a housing crisis forever. They hold, you, you look at all our homeless veterans. There's a, you know, we got $40 billion going. We got homeless veterans who went and served the New World Order. Right. Fighting in these, these wars in Iraq and Iran, and then their minds are all messed up. And so they're involved in drugs and alcohol. 
We got the fentanyl crisis. The border's wide open down there. I've watched these hearings with the uh, last week. They had the hearings in uh, oh the head of uh, Homeland Security, and they asked him, "Is our border secure?" He says, "Oh yes, it's secure." And yeah, and they're the just drugs are coming liars. in very they're freely. Just... <laughs> right. Yeah, DeSantis. DeSantis's wife had a, a thing for Police Week, uh, Law Enforcement Week, but. It was about fentanyl in Florida, and she had a bunch of people tell their stories. Uh, you know, uh, the stuff is just po a synthetic poison, and it's by design to, to kill America. That's right. That's right. Uh, in the second hour, I'm going to be doing a show about the opioid crisis, the uh, Sackler family, and uh, the, uh, you know, the entire uh, PR campaign to push opioids on Americans, which resulted in millions of deaths. It really has. It's an amazing story. But, uh, yeah, no, no, those uh, high-priced scrap metal uh, parts you were talking about earlier, those went to China. And uh, it was used to – Yeah, that's why the price was up 20 yes. years ago. China was buying all the steel. And that's, that's how come hot rod cars are worth a bunch of money. If you see old Dodge Charger, <laughs> Dodge Camaro. Yeah, they're made out of metal. <laughs> yeah. They all got crushed if they were sitting yeah. out back 20 years ago and some guy needed a little, oh, hey, it's 350 a ton. It's a two-ton car. You can take that car in and get $600. Yeah, yeah. And now that, that car, the parts on it are probably worth several thousand dollars to someone that wants oh, yeah. to rebuild one of those old cars. But uh, all the scrap, a bunch of our scrap left America. Yeah, and that went to build China's infrastructure. Okay, a communist country, all that scrap you know, went, went to communist China to build their infrastructure, and now they've been outpacing America in terms of productivity. Okay, although that's beginning to slow down because uh, they've got all kinds of new problems that they weren't anticipating, you know, such as the uh, cost of energy. Uh, they used to import a lot of coal from Australia, but Australia shut that off so that the China is now scrounging around for energy to, to do their industrial capacity. And I agree with you. I think that uh, in Shanghai, the uh, what's really going on there is, well, it's not COVID. They're blaming it on COVID. But uh, they're shutting that entire city down. And uh, now whether it's done uh, to punish America or whether they've got now, some... Isn't Shang I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, yeah. Isn't Shanghai its own... Uh, it's separate from China. It's like Hong Kong. Uh, no, no, it's it's part of mainland China and the uh, Communist part Party. Yeah, Communist Party totally controls it. Yeah, yeah. You you may be thinking of Taiwan, and uh, there's a lot of saber rattling going on between Red China and Taiwan right now. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then uh, there's also China is uh, spending lots and lots of money. Well, first of all, they have their housing crisis. Their housing boom finally stopped, and it's collapsing. It's collapsing under the weight of speculation, right? You know, ironically. They get away with the one-child policy as well because they know they have a, uh, yeah, a, decline. a decline. There's a decline now, right? Yeah. So everything now is in a state of decline except their military, right? Their military is still being financed by the Communist Party, although even there the military is so corrupt that the average officer 
has to pay a bribe to get his officer credentials, right? So, so you wonder what kind of army do they really have, you know, besides the grunt, uh, the grunts on the ground who are sh- shooting bullets. What kind of uh, efficient army could they possibly have if that's what it takes to, to get a job as a lieutenant or a colonel or a general, etc.? Okay, so the corruption in China is so bad that I don't see them recovering from any of these things, including they've got this uh, they, this high-speed railway system they've built over the last uh, 10, 15 years. That's run into uh, a ground halt. It's it's no, no more uh, not making money anymore, and so only the the short lines between big cities are making any money, and so the rest of it is is a, a pink elephant for the Communist Chinese Party, right? So everything is beginning to grind to a halt globally, and we're seeing it locally, you know, as especially in gas prices. And lack of parts. Most of these parts are made in China, and uh, our government is guilty of transferring all that technology and production to China and other third world countries, not leaving any of it here in America where it belongs. And that's why America is slowly becoming a, well, a second world country, not a third world country. But that's, that'll happen soon if this trend continues. Back to you. Well, the hot summer coming on is only going to encourage the decline of America with the with the uh, Black Lives Matter. And if this uh, abortion uh, yeah. ruling comes down, they're just going to come unglued. Right. Yeah. And, more, and, uh, more demonstrations, violent demonstrations, no doubt. Okay. Well, speak protest. Yeah, right. No, the, the the left doesn't know how to protest peacefully. They simply don't know how to do that, okay? But here, I don't know if you heard about this story, Black Lives Matter and its co-founder Patrice Cullors, C-U-L-L-O-R-S, could face civil or criminal penalties for illegally using the organization's $6 million Los Angeles base. <laughs> yeah, you, you heard about that story? I did. Yeah. Okay. It's outrageous. Mark McClowski, Why isn't Mark? See, Mark McClowski took a uh, he he took a plea bargain in St. Louis and didn't take him to trial. He could have fought that for a yeah. year, two years, and he could have filed a lawsuit and said he wanted his, them to pay to have his gate replaced that they broke down. That was a community property, so he could have made it. He could yeah. have had several other. He could have represented his homeowners group, right, and uh, sued them. And held him accountable for breaking down the gate. He got a and 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 then I would maybe even be behind him. I would be like this yeah. guy is fighting. Yeah, people. if he did something he for did. America, yeah, not Black yeah. Lives Matter. Yeah, so it makes you wonder. You have to scratch your head. You know what in the world is he thinking? You know, maybe now that he figures he's going to be a politician, he'll play the game. He, yeah, he, he's like all of them. He he got told by the governor uh, that. He would pardon him, and he wouldn't. He, you can't get a pardon unless you're found guilty or plead guilty to something. So he pled guilty uh, to misdemeanor uh-huh. intimidation with a firearm. Oh boy! And the governor Parsons here pardoned him. So th- then he's going to go on and be a politician, just like Josh Hawley, who everybody loves up there. He was elected attorney general. He would never move to the Capitol. The Democrats sued him and said, why the hell aren't you? Because there's a rule in Missouri law that says if you're elected to attorney general, uh, 
you have to live within 30 minutes of okay. drive or whatever. Sure. So you could get to work and do the people's business. Right. You stayed living in Columbia, Missouri and commuted an hour or something. And okay. he was there. But then after two years, he, he ran for Senate and Eric Schmidt got the job. And uh, so Eric Schmidt did not become attorney general by election. He he got it through. Uh, I believe he was appointed. I'll have to look it up, but I, yeah, I, appointed, he wasn't elected to attorney general. Appointed yeah, to a vacancy. Appointed. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. a lot of positions get filled and because then, of vacancy. Yeah. Yeah. And now okay. he wants to go be U.S. Senator you know, <laughs> and, and not finish doing the, doing the job he was uh, hired that he was given to do. But what and, about uh, you? Billy Long, we have Congressman uh, Billy Long, who's running as well. And he's a Missouri congressman. Uh-huh. They should stick to doing the job that they did, and then when their term yeah, runs do it out, right. run for something different if you want. Yeah, do it right. So how many people now are running for U.S. Senator in Missouri? Like 22, I oh guess. Oh, my God. Or, or, or 30, <laughs> including the Democrats. Yeah. Uh, it's Yeah, it's pretty crazy. They did a news story the other day, and I guess the top four are Greitens, Schmidt, Vicki Hartzler, and then the uh, and and then everybody else has two percent. So I guess I'm in there for two percent. Right. Although right. If, I'm, if if there's a big investor out there, <coughs> yeah, listening, would like to help me with my campaign. I certainly could use some financial yeah. help. I've had yeah. none. Oh, okay. I've received no phone calls. No one wants a comment from me. I'm posting stuff all the time on my Facebook page, yeah. uh, Daryl McClanahan. Yeah. Well, go ahead and, and give out your uh, contact. Story. You give your contact info out anyway. Maybe somebody will, you know, somebody with a few million to spare <laughs> will send you a check. Right? Uh-huh. It happens, right? Willis Cardo. It happened to Willis Cardo. Some uh, some lady died. She left him a fortune, and he he ran the spotlight and American Free Press on that money, right? So it happens uh-huh. every once in a while. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead, and give out your contact info. Uh, it's going to be Shell City, Missouri, and uh, I don't have the zip in front of me. Okay. <laughs> I'll get it here in a minute for you. But uh, but they should I make have... the check out to Daryl McClanahan. Uh, yes. You personally, okay. You don't have a, a election committee uh, bank account or anything like that. Okay. A so pack. Yeah, no. pack. Right. So, okay, so you're one of those two percenters. <laughs> right? I'm one of the two, yeah, one of the people that, or everyone else combined has two percent. Right. <laughs> so, the pack. So, yeah, I'm certainly, a, I'm certainly a nobody. Right. Well, yeah, so maybe we could help you become a somebody in this race. Now, what is, a, is what is, it's got to be a runoff or what do you call it, a primary? The when primary is, is August 2nd. August 2nd. Okay. So it's like uh, June, so about three months. About three yeah, months. Yeah, and this new story that they put Two out, they, I, the news story, it says the election is in just a couple weeks, in just a few weeks, they said. Uh-huh. And I think this was a mind control tactic to uh, goat people into thinking, oh, well, the election's coming right up. I better just go ahead and go with Greitens, or I better go uh, ahead and go right. with. Uh, Make up your mind now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Make up your mind now because, you know, you get people locked in. It's hard to change their mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, continue with the story for those people who haven't heard about it. 
uh, regarding Black Lives Matter, buying a mansion in Los Angeles for $6 million for Culler's private benefit. The article, this is from MSN, so this is not a conspiracy uh, network, right? This is MSN, folks. A watchdog group charged in a complaint filed with the IRS on Thursday. Now, why would uh, the government file a complaint about this, right? Why does it take a private watchdog group to file a complaint and make this public? Isn't that interesting? Just like we said, it's the uh, mainstream media is just as corrupt as the politicians are, and Black Lives Matter and Antifa, who we know George Soros, the international Zionist, funds those organizations. The Watchdog Group National Legal and Policy Center said in the complaint it was highly unusual that BLM Global Network Foundation purchased the mansion in cash. Six million dollars in cash. I didn't know there was that much cash floating around. Through a middleman. Who's the middleman? <laughs> okay, that's what I want to know. In October 2020, transferred the deed to an obscure LLC one week later, then concealed the mansion's existence from its donors for 19 months while Culler stayed at the property for days at a time and used it in multiple videos posted to her private YouTube channel. Okay, this is Black Lives Matter, folks. Corrupt as all get out. All right. And these are the people posturing as the what the saviors of the black community? I don't think so, yeah, folks. Why aren't they why aren't they providing some kind of housing or right or something for for their people? Amen. Yeah, they it's get, St. Louis. You know, Good hearted people gave them that money. That's right. That's right. So uh, enough is enough, said Paul Cabanar, uh, a lawyer who drafted the NLPC's complaint. The IRS owes the public and supporters of Black Lives Matter a full investigation of the group's finances, management, and cover-up of the use of its $6 million L.A. mansion by Patrice Cullors, even if she thinks compliance with IRS disclosure rules is triggering, <laughs> right, and causes her and her associates drama, right? Does she publicly complain that, oh, when we, uh, these public complaints are triggering us and causing us trauma, right? Well, you're a crook. You're a crook. I guess these blacks have been getting away with murder and corruption for so long that they're used to being not triggered and not traumatized by their own corruption, right? Talk talk about, uh, what's the word? Uh, black privilege, Black privilege in America, you know, and, and at the taxpayers' expense, no less. Okay, this is what's really going on, folks. So let's let's not kid ourselves. It's the way things are going. America is so divided. You know, the, the people say that pretty commonly. But you yeah. look at how we have the we have the law enforcers who uh, do the elite's bidding, and uh, they're totally protected and no fair treatment. Yeah, just uh, like communist China, by the way. Just like yeah, and, China. and then you look at the Black Lives Matter, everything, all the riots, all the the, the how much damage did, was it? A billion or a couple billion dollars in damage? All the riots? Oh, billions, yeah, for sure. America, yeah, the twenty or thirty cities, yeah, smashed windows. At least at least twenty billion. Yeah, that's probably an underestimate. Yeah.
So, caller said in an April 5 statement that she has never lived at the property. Well, okay, but she just made videos while she was there. (laughs) And that BLM always intended to use it as a place for black artists to foster creativity. Yeah, become even more creative crooks. She said the group had to hide the mansion from its donors for so long because it needed repairs and renovation. They wow. have any imagination at all. I mean, at least something that would, would be more believable rather than the artist. You could say it was going to be a yeah. home for black veterans or something. Right. Though That would have been a good deal. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or white veterans or any kind or, of veterans. Or a, a drug or homeless. center or something. Yeah, uh, homeless people. I mean, anything to help their people, that the, the black people that the money that good-hearted people gave them that money for. It should have been used to replace Mark McClowski's gate, but he got a pardon from the governor. He's a rich man, and he's out meeting all these people. And I think this is a hard. Uh, yeah. Racism is real. Yeah. I mean, right, you you know, and I think white people in Missouri, the dumbed down masses are going to believe Mark McClowski when they meet him in person, Uh just like people here last year at church met him and said he's a great guy. And I stood up in church and said, I don't think he is. And and I don't think Josh Hawley getting harassed by Antifa is a big deal. Maybe God is holding him accountable because he knows he hid exculpatory evidence. Uh, he withheld exculpatory evidence in the shooting of Jeffrey Winehouse. The trooper was on Adderall and Prozac when he shot him. Yeah. And Mark McClowski could have held black lives matter accountable for that gate. And he's not doing it. And when, and, and this is where I get to racist. I think people inherently are going to like him because he pointed a gun at black lives matter. Which yes. makes those people racist because right. I think he was I think he was justified pointing a gun at him and telling him to get the hell off the property, but he needed to follow up. He didn't follow up. He followed up with good old boy protection. Right. I don't get any special protection. I, I'm I'm still uh have a legal battle fighting these people. We're uh hiring a new attorney in my case and he wants five thousand dollars up front. And that's really going to hit us hard. And, uh, yeah, I got no one to, yeah. you know, and then this guy gets a tap from the governor when, when he, and he wants to be, he wants to be a politician. Great. He wants to do something for Missourians. Why didn't he fight for himself that get the gate replaced Yeah, and, right. and show that he had every right justice? to use the second amendment. Instead he says, Oh, the prosecutor told me that, I intimidated him with the weapon, and he wanted me to plead guilty to that. And that's exactly what I did. That's what our Second Amendment is for. Our Second Amendment is not for intimidating people. It's to fight a tyrannical government. It's to protect our homes and properties, which he had, he had, he had that right, and he did have every right to do that. And I don't knock that's him right. for that at all. Yeah, absolutely. But I knock him. I knock him for being a rich guy that is just going to go up there and be another rich guy and get even richer. And, and when it comes to, uh, you know, he wants ultrasounds for, uh, women before they get an abortion. Hell, we're just going to ban it here in America. What comes down right. in, in Missouri, it comes yeah. down the yeah, just Court, don't ban it. It to the state. We've got a bill on the books here in Missouri. It's called the trigger bill. And the second the Supreme court comes down with it, abortion is banned in Missouri. 
All right. All right. So yeah, let the liberals no go to China for, the for their abortions. Government. Yeah. There'll be no need for the federal government to pay for ultrasounds for knocked up mothers right. that right. consider killing their baby. Amen. Uh, Amen. It's just yeah. out, outrageous where they put their priorities. The priorities would be supporting families, supporting uh, getting families back together. And even the black families and the Hispanic family, you know, they had a, a thing that we talked about a, a few months ago. They have a bill where they're going to uh, help pregnant mothers that are in prison and not take their baby from them. And I'm for that because that might be all it takes that young mother. We know it's going to be a lot of blacks, right. and women in prison from or whatever, but there's going to be some young white mothers. There's going to be uh, so, and, and even those black mothers can become might have that baby and realize I don't need to be a whore. I don't need to be. <laughs> I got a little baby I need to take care of, and she might go out and seek a good man because there are lots of good black men out there. But the majority uh-huh. are, you know, there's a really uh, a violent uh, majority of super predators. So I'll get in trouble for saying that, super predators. But there, yeah, you know, predators at least. There's so yes. much that could, <laughs> like so George much Floyd. That could be done for the traditional family. You, look, you know, the 1950s, uh, the blacks had. Uh, family values and, and abortion was not an issue. And, right. and uh, they try to, you know, say access to, it, it's just out. It's yeah. I listened to uh, an attorney the other day talking about how every since he was a young, he's been an attorney for 50 years. He's an old guy. Uh, and uh, he was saying that from the time he was in law school, he had been studying Roe versus Wade and knew it was wrong, knew that it was a state that that the federal right. law didn't uh, federal law does not protect murder it protects life right uh, judge napolitano a libertarian uh, a lot of, a lot of people out there have known the truth that are involved with the law and and know our law and our supreme court you know they try to say it's packed that you know we got these crazy conservatives in there that are going to take away a woman's right to kill a baby they're just yeah. they're out of control uh, demonic. They are uh, demonically possessed. People. Yes. Oh, yeah. Schumer, Pelosi. Yeah, the Democratic Party. Period. Yeah. Democratic Party. It's a uh, you know a pro death. Well, the Lyndon Johnson party. said he'd have the end voting Democrat for the next however many years. Two hundred years. And he all says, they've yeah. done with you, you can't. Government can't cure poverty. No, it, uh, it creates it. By taxing you know, the middle class and giving it to the corporations and, and poor people who just blow it on drugs, right? That's all the welfare state has ever done. Just look at how awful our conditions in America have become since the 1960s. The out of the home. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything they do is wrong. It's designed to destroy our society, not make it better. Although they always come up with really uh, pat excuses. How, for how they think it's going to be better when they employ their uh, p- their plagues, right? But it never turns out to be better. It always makes it worse. This is without fail, folks. There's never been an exception to that. I can't think of a single government program that's ever been instituted that has actually worked. Although maybe for a while the uh, that uh, just say no <laughs> by the first lady Reagan, right? Maybe oh, that that's had... what DeSantis's wife is saying now. She's doing really? a just say no campaign. Ah, okay. In Florida. Uh huh. Just say no to uh, opioids, fentanyl, 
Well, I wrote, yes, just say no to opioids. And I wrote a comment. I said, oh, it'll work just as good as Nancy Reagan's just say no. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much money to be made in illegal drugs that there's no. Here we go. I put this up on my Twitter. I thought it was nice that someone might. You could find me at Twitter at Missouri Battle Flag, even though that thing's a joke. I put this thing up several days ago and not a single tweet or share. But it's. uh. Five best sentences. You cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating yeah. the wealthy out of property. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But it usually well, it turns out to be the middle class. The wealthy five never of them get... here. I'll try to read them to you here yeah. real quick. Uh, okay. Uh, number two is what one person receives without working for another person must work for without yeah. receiving. Right. Three, the government cannot give to anyone anything that the government does not first take, take away from, some, from somebody else. Four, that's right. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Yeah, right. And then number five is when half of the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them. Right. White privilege. And then when the other half gets the idea that it does no no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for. That is the beginning of the end. That's right. Of any nation. That's right. And Can the whole world is going that way. Reason for not sharing this. Yeah. Neither. Right. Yeah. yeah. I shared that and thought it was pretty on. Yeah, it's more proof that only the free enterprise system actually creates wealth. Every other system does not. And even the socialist countries in Europe, what they do is they allow corporations to run their own businesses and tax them rather than regulate those businesses, right? Because when the government starts regulating, then uh, everything goes wrong. You know, just like look oh, at here. Here's a meme that I saw, and it's a woman getting the jab, and they're both got their mask on, and the one getting the jab looks at her, and she says, "Does this will this provide immunity?" And the the nurse says, "Only to the manufacturer." <laughs> <laughs> right. That's very good. That's very good. Yeah. yeah well, like uh, the communism in California is so outrageous that uh, it takes twenty years to get a permit to build a factory. Right. So the people, uh, companies and people are leaving California in droves the last three years in a row. They've had a net decline in population, even with immigration. There's got to be a happy medium. I always heard the trickle down economics when I was a kid and everyone attacked it and says it doesn't work. But when Trump was in there, I know I said Trump targeted him. He did do some good things and deregulating businesses to do what they want. Certainly, we don't want people polluting or putting poison into the environment that's going to hurt my kids or future generations but there has to be common sense i think oh i don't believe the fossil fuel lie i believe oil is is constantly being made with the way the earth moves with lava and volcanoes and we don't know there's a lot of things beyond man's understanding and uh, us pompous prideful men that have fallen and we're only saved through the blood of jesus christ uh, refuse to, you can't even have a conversation with a lot of men because they're just going to go that they're right. And, and right. we got to be able to have conversations and, yeah. and, and that will that trickle down. It will, 
if you promote business, you're going to be able to hire an extra guy. You're going to be able to pay. Right. I, where they were? Oh, St. Louis. I saw a news story out of St. Louis. The the child welfare up there. They have they had a girl quit who was a whistleblower. They got twenty five hundred reports of child abuse, and oh. not, they're going on. And we had child welfare called on us uh-huh. in, in a rural county where they got money. And they came and harassed us, and they were going to take me to court if I didn't let them see my kids and get interviewed. And we did it, and they said we're good parents. But they can't hire anyone. They need 50 employees. They've been allocated the money by the state of Missouri to hire 50 employees, and they can't find anyone to work (laughs) because the people say they don't pay enough. So my comment was, well, if you can't hire 50 people, uh, hire twenty five. That was out. Yeah. Hire twenty five and pay them double. But and you're maybe thinking you'll get some people that'll work hard. So but you're thinking what, like a capitalist, I mean, not a communist, right? These uh, yeah. these but government bureaucrats never think like that, right? That's just common sense. It's just so easy. <laughs> right. That's what capitalism is. It's common sense. Right. They always lie and say it's for the children. It's for your safety. And there's some little kids that are, are, are getting neglected in the St. Louis area. I'm sure oh, there's sure. a lot of poverty. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of killings going on there. Yeah. And there needs, if we're going to have a government in a society, that's something that, you know, some there needs to be some kind of child welfare. I don't want to see them taking any children away from any parents. There's some children that should maybe get taken away and, uh, abusive parents, down right? And get a talking to, but you but, might uh, hurt somebody's feelings, or uh, right. you know, there might be a time where someone needs to get so, set down and told, "Hey, you're going to have to start growing up and take care of your children, and we're going to help you a little bit." And that's what the church used to do. That's what communities used to do. We, I just put a video up. These Amish boys were driving by with a little pony. Go to my Facebook page, Daryl McClanahan. And it's three young boys just out on the road. They probably were doing some chores or something. They got a little pony in a wagon with a flashing light. And I mean, none of these boys are over 10 years old. Right. And they're out on the road by themselves. And this, there used to be responsibility. Was taught. I wasn't even taught that much responsibility when I was a kid to go drive a little horse out on the road and traffic. Right. <laughs> I mean, and these kids do it. These kids yeah. do it. And, Crazy. and I was told someone said, the only place they ever saw socialism work was with the Amish. They have a community. The people follow the yeah. rules, and they help each other out. Yeah, but that's voluntary. And they don't have a government imposing it upon them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's voluntary. And yeah. we are so spoiled in America that if someone says something, like me at church, that right. I, you know, Daryl makes posts on social media. I was told by the pastor, Daryl, you talk about things nobody wants to talk about ah, right well, yeah you don't talk but to it, me but you don't have to abuse me you right? don't have to abuse me or be mean to me and my family because i have a certain i want to talk with other men that's why i enjoy talking with you i enjoy yeah. uh, uh talking with with patrick and and uh people that i've met and and other people that i've met and i can have a conversation with them and we can disagree and that's how we could move america forward but we've got people that have just put us in such a whole, I don't know how we're ever going to get out of it. Yeah, and and Russia and China are not backing off. They're tired of America being the number one. They're going to be number one, right. and we Certainly need to start China looking out to for be, the number right. one, which is the American people. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Our government does not care about its own people. That's been true since, uh, well, since they allowed the Federal Reserve Act to be passed, right? And that, that was the beginning of the end of our society. So it's, it's only going to get worse until the American people wake up, and, which the is a question. The people who shut down your businesses and killed your careers are asking you to reelect them. That's right. So they can keep their jobs. Never forget what they've done to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So vote for Daryl McClanahan, Missouri first candidate for U.S. Senate. And I do have my address now. It was in the okay. – I, I knew the address. It's just the zip code always right. throws me off. Uh, yeah, so it's Daryl McClanahan, and it's going to be P.O. Box 77 at Shell City, Missouri. That's S-C-H-E-L-L City, Missouri, 64783. Daryl McClanahan at P.O. Box 77, Shell City, Missouri, 64783. Okay. And my phone, my personal phone number and email is available out there if you just look me up. And I'm always willing to take a phone call from uh, a, yeah. a good person who wants to talk about, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I think any good man wants to see America saved. We have, uh, you know, we have so much that was given to us by God in this country and it's been uh, thrown away. Uh-huh, that's right. You know, and yeah. Is he going to see us? Is God going to see us like the prodigal son? I, I don't think millions of aborted babies is going to, Yep. I mean, there's a prodigal son can be forgiven, but there's some things that could have you cursed or damned as well. Uh, yeah, well, we certainly God. have been doing the right thing economically, you know, and uh, internationally, you know, we we're always belonging to the wrong club, <laughs> the wrong club. In somebody else's business. We, right. uh, Washington and Jefferson, all the founding fathers were non-interventionists. They weren't right. going out trying to conquer anything. They were doing the manifest destiny. They were going to conquer open land and everything. And we still have all that. There should be no housing crisis. I mean. I've, I know a lot about building houses, and in the past, they, they have these earth ships that could be built. I mean, somebody with a little piece of land, a guy could go out and dig 50 holes, yeah. and you could make one-bedroom shelters in there and, and have a community bathroom, and, and people worked, yeah. you know, but it would have to be voluntary, and people would have to agree to do it, and there, yeah. there could be solutions to problems. Yeah, and no theft, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The, we have the people that want to thieve and pillage and 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 it's all about themselves the whole selfie thing you know uh, taking a selfie picture of yourself they say you know I've, I've heard that said that that goes a lot to our <coughs> our pride and uh, we need to ca- I like to take pictures of my kids my wife don't like getting her picture taken because she's afraid <laughs> I'll put on you know how women are but, <laughs> right yeah uh, yeah yeah and like they want to be, be you know whores like they want to put them in skimpy clothes and pornography and and I'm on Russian VK and Facebook and I get no I I had Matt messenger and I did away with it because every person that wanted to friend me was some prostitute oh, pornography boy. person that wants to link, link to porn Wow. On VK, on Russian VK that is bigger than Facebook, you can certainly look that up. You could put it in their search if that's what you wanted to look up. And there's girls on there. And there's, but I'll tell you, the pictures that are on VK are much more classy of the women uh-huh. looking traditional. They're still selling sex and smut. You know, it's still not right. Yeah. But it's done in it, America is so filthy. 
Right. They really well, have turned a lot of our women into whores, and I hate using yeah. that word, but well, it's well, it's the best I don't media. want to see my yeah. daughter treated that way. The vast media has done that for sure. Hollywood has done that, you yeah. know, so. Hollywood, and, yeah. Yeah, and uh, nobody is complaining. No, no politicians are complaining because they're all making too much I'm money. I'm complaining. Yeah, very good. <laughs> the moral majority, right? The moral right? majority, uh, Jerry yeah. Farwell, they always went after him because he was after uh, uh, yeah. the the hustler oh. guy, the free that uh, right, uh, yeah, and the abortion industry as well, right? Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was doing good things. He was doing yeah, good Hugh things. Hefner, you, you know, so many stories. There's been all kinds of filthy stories. Several months ago, there was a lot of stuff. Came. I guess the Playboy Mansion is abandoned, and they were saying that he had a dog that he. I, I just we can't even just the filthiness uh-huh. and the depravity of these yeah. people. Uh, you know, and they had a woman in front of the Senate hearings on abortion and, and the woman from Georgia, she was saying, I saw this on uh, Breitbart and, and uh, he wants to know her name. Oh, you were. And, and he says, so do you think men should get abortions? <laughs> and, and, and she said, she said, oh yes, men should be able to get abortions because they can. And he said, you think men could get pregnant too? And she said, oh yes. Yeah. Right. This is a person that's supposed to be like a doctor. Or, or some, yeah. I'm sure some other folks up and saw it. I can't remember her name or the senator that was asking her, but they had these hearings, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. This is the, the unbelievable. Of, of, they had the the Supreme Court justice now who couldn't tell you who yeah, well, a man what, was. What, they what, all those meetings. What a woman is, right. I'm not a, I'm not a biologist. <laughs> yeah, why should she be a Supreme Court justice when she can't even tell what a woman is, right, or a man, right? Yeah. But uh, you can tell the difference with your eyes without having a definition, <laughs> right? Even babies can tell the difference, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, Daryl. Well, uh, best of luck. Uh, uh, so you got a couple of months left before. Uh, you actually have to go into the primary. So I will pray that you you find a sugar daddy, <laughs> a sugar no, daddy. Well, yeah. other than that, just pray for God's protection for me and my family Amen. because I am still facing criminal charges. And the attorney says they did overcharge me. Yeah. And uh, I do need help and we need prayer. And I'll give my address out real quick again. It's Daryl yeah. McClanahan at P.O. Box 77, Shell City, Missouri, 64783. And I appreciate anybody that took the time to listen to me and that support Eurofolk Radio and uh, want to get America back because I'd right. like to see uh, America for my children. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, brother. Take care. And, uh, yes, pra- praise Yahweh. And uh, may all the things you ask for in prayer materialize. Amen. Okay. All right, Daryl. Take care. You guys. All right. Yep. Okay, folks. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to play a song. And uh, about five minutes song, and uh, I'll be right back after the song. Thank you, guys.
Well, he'd better come soon because things are really falling apart. Just as the book of Revelation prophesied in Revelation chapter 18, Mystery Babylon, the ships of Mystery Babylon are going to burn, and all of the enterprises, uh, the global depravity enterprises, the businesses, the business of war, drug pushing, uh, you know, kidnapping children, the sex industry, gambling, you name it. It's all booming, but it's all showing signs of collapse because there's just so much corruption. You can't run these corrupt corporations without honest people, and honest people are leaving so or being fired. So that's the situation. And so as we've been saying here on Eurofolk Radio, it's time to hunker down. And prepare for the worst. It's time to hunker down and prepare for the worst. So one uh, one story that uh, I've been wanting to do is the opioid uh, crisis, which uh, I think began somewhere in the 1990s, which is a perfect example of how corrupt Big Pharma really is. In uh, particular, Purdue Chemicals, uh, one of the big pharma companies that uh, precipitated the opioid crisis with its drug OxyContin. And this is from inequality.org. The big pharma family that brought us the opioid crisis. Who will bring to justice the billionaires who have profited so royally from addiction? And this was posted February 16, 2018, by Sam Pizzigatti, P-I-Z-Z-I-G-A-T-I, And, of course, he doesn't mention the fact that the, that the, uh, the family here that owns, uh, or probably still does, but it's probably a, uh, a, in a trust now, the Sackler family is, in fact, Jewish, but that's not mentioned in this article. Let's go. If the devil wears Prada, Prada being a really uh, expensive uh, line of clothing, what do America, because the devil always wants to look good. <laughs> the devil's not going to come looking like uh, the, uh, the devil. He's not going to have two horns and, uh, and claws and uh, hoofed, uh, hoofed feet and a tail. No, the devil is going to look good in order to fool you, right? Wolves in sheep's clothing. So if the devil wears Prada, he says, what do America's most destructive drug pushers wear? They wear smiles. The drug pushers we have in mind here have caused hundreds of thousands of deaths, enough fatalities to decrease overall U.S. life expectancy at birth for the last two years running. Yet no police SWAT teams have pounded down any doors, hunting these drug pushers down. These particular drug pushers have devastated millions of families across the United States, yet some of America's most honorable institutions, outfits ranging from Yale University to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, have spent decades lauding their philanthropic generosity and benevolence. So what is a a philanthropist? A philanthropist is a mafioso who gives money to his favorite charities. We're obviously not talking about El Chapo, you know, the uh, 
think Peru, no, uh, Colombian drug lord, I think, or any of his drug running buddies here. We're talking about the mega billionaire family behind one of the America's most profitable drug industry empires, the privately held Purdue Pharma. Last week, Flax at Purdue announced that the company will no longer be flooding doctors' offices. With Flax, F-L-A-C-K-S, that's uh, not a term I've heard for, but apparently it's a derogatory term for salesmen, uh, with sales representatives hawking OxyContin, the now notorious opioid painkiller. This move may be the closest admission of guilt we will ever see from Purdue Pharma or the patriarchs of the Sackler family that gave it birth. The roots of Purdue's criminal profiteering, as Patrick Radden Keefe has chillingly related in The New Yorker, stretch all the way back to three brothers in mid-20th century Brooklyn. All three, Arthur, Mortimer, and Raymond Sackler, became doctors. All three had an entrepreneurial bent. Well, of course, they were Jews. So if they go into doctoring, they are also entrepreneurs at doctoring. Arthur had an entrepreneurial genius. Arthur Sackler saw that the pharmaceutical industry of his day had no clue to the magic marketing magic and magical profits that modern Madison Avenue advertising approaches could fashion. He linked the two. By the way, Madison Avenue advertising was also begun by a Jew, and the uh, you know the suckering of people through big time advertising. He linked the two. His ad agency pioneered tactics that would revolutionize prescription drug marketing. Yeah, putting it in your living room. I mean, you turn on your television set, folks. Every other commercial is a drug ad, if not more. Sometimes it's simply related industries, like the food processing industry, which makes people sick, which makes people go to Big Pharma for a, a pill to fix the ill. Pharmaceutical companies under Arthur Sackler's guidance began hiring noted doctors to vouch for their products and subsidizing studies that showed how useful their products could be. Sackler's campaigns deluged doctors' offices with attractive promo brochures and filled medical journals with flashy ads. Well, that's what the AMA is all about. It's it's all it's ever been about. The promotion sometimes played fast and loose. In 1959, One national magazine investigation found that doctors listed as endorsing a new Sackler-backed antibiotic didn't exist. (laughs) So they made up a list of doctors claiming that these doctors actually endorsed the product when, in fact, they did not. That's creative advertising, isn't it, folks? The really big bucks from Sackler's efforts started flowing in the 1960s. Sackler's marketing miracles turned the tranquilizers Librium and Valium into everyday commodities. By 1973, millions of annual tranquilizer prescriptions had created what Senator Edward Kennedy bewailed as, quote, a nightmare of dependence and addiction. They're talking about legal drugs, folks, prescription drugs. But Purdue Pharma, the drug company the Sacklers ran, had grander visions, and the company's dreams revolved around exploiting the untapped potential of opioids. Synthetic forms of opium that modern researchers had first started developing in the early 1900s. Wow, that long ago. 
So that, that potential lay dormant for all that time. Doctors had always known that these opioids had a significant pain-killing capacity. Doctors also feared their addictive properties. Purdue Pharma set out to overcome that fear. With a massive marketing campaign on behalf of OxyContin, the drug company's new take on the opioid called oxycodone, a chemical cousin of heroin that can be up to twice as powerful as morphine. Okay, painkillers are good, but addictive painkillers are not good. I mean, if you're in such agony that you need something that's addictive, uh, 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 sorry, addictive, then you shouldn't take a lot of it. But apparently this stuff is so addictive that you try it once, you can't, you can't do without it. Purdue bankrolled widely circulated research to testify to OxyContin safety and urged physicians to prescribe the drug for all sorts of conditions. Now, of course, this is what the vaccine industry has been doing as well. So you can't count them out. They're just as guilty of false advertising and fake science as the Purdue Pharma Company was. A sales force that at one point boasted a thousand reps reinforced that message with countless in-person visits to medical officers, offices rather. Purdue hired several thousand clinicians on top of that to sing OxyContin's praises at medical conferences. The company even offered doctors, quote, all expenses paid trips to paid management seminars in places like Boca Raton. I'm surprised it wasn't Israel. This came the campaign goal, nothing less than changing the prescription habits of America's doctors. Yes, get them to prescribe poisonous, deadly compounds without fear of prosecution. The campaign succeeded. Purdue won FDA approval for OxyContin in 1995. Almost overnight, the drug became a phenomenal medical marketplace success eventually generating some $35 billion, $35 billion in revenue. That, that's a lot of pills, folks. <laughs> that is a lot of pills. Somebody said the American people are the most uh, prescribed people. The American people take more drugs than anybody else in the world, put it that way, than any other country in the world. I think it was some, the American people are 5% of the world's population, but we consume 45% of the world's legal drugs. That gives you an idea of how addicted the American people are to all of this crazy, crazy addictive chemicals. Shouldn't be happening at all. But this is what we're experiencing in this world with these crooked, absolutely crooked, uh, you know, companies and their owners. And can, can it get worse? Yes, it's getting worse as we speak because the vaccine industry is just as guilty of this type of marketing and fake science and, oh, what's, what's the word uh, for when you just go out to kill people de- deliberately because you know you can get away with it? Is there a word for that? <laughs> Satanism? I don't know what to call it. I don't know if there's a word for it. Uh, It's so evil that they they have no concern whatsoever for the pain and suffering 
of their victims. None whatsoever. Savage. Savagery. How about that? Maybe savagery is the best word. Savagery from corporate executives. Okay. So. Okay. (laughs) So. But problems with OxyContin soon surfaced. People were becoming addicted in part because Purdue made abusing OxyContin so easy. The drug was formulated to release slowly over 12 hours. But users could just crush the pills and get a quick high. Okay, so you know there's always a black market in legal drugs, especially if you can get a quick high. So I didn't realize that OxyContin actually gave you a high. I thought it was just a painkiller. But uh, that shows how much I know <laughs> about the drug, the drugs in circulation, because I don't take any. I take zero drugs, okay? Uh, when I ha- hurt my back, I took prednisone for a little bit and uh, you know, got the doctor to prescribe the lowest uh, formula he could, and that even included me, me cutting the pills in half, so I get half the lowest dosage available. So that is how I approach uh, taking taking drugs. You know, I'd prefer to deal with the pain than to get hooked on something or you know have a false sense of security by having to take a drug constantly. Okay, I did take ibuprofen uh, for several years because of my bad back, but I finally weaned myself off of that. Maybe two or three years I did that, and now I don't take any drugs for any reason whatsoever, which is the goal I think everybody should set for themselves. And uh, you know, But you have to be health conscious and not poison yourself with the industrial food that we are being served continually by the that subsidiary of Big Pharma, namely the industrial food processing industry. It reminds me of that old cartoon, I forget, the name of it, but the uh, there was an undertaker in the cartoon strip, and his slogan was, you plug them, we plant them, okay? So the industrial food industry makes sick customers for Big Pharma, and then Big Pharma eventually plants them with their deadly drugs. So you don't want to get into the loop, the Big Pharma loop. You want to stay out of that as much as possible. I, I can understand when people have excruciating pain and they need something for their pain. But there's always natural ways of doing All of these painkillers come from natural sources as well. And uh, if you can, go natural. Okay? So, let's continue. Purdue blamed the early reports of addictions on these abusers. Okay? Blame the victim. But OxyContin had a much deeper problem. Purdue was marketing the drug's long-lasting 12-hour relief. In reality, the relief often lasted fewer hours, leaving conscientious users continually craving more of the drug and desperate to get it. Yeah, they were getting addicted. And the Purdue owners knew it. And so did these doctors who were prescribing it. That's the real Shame of all of this that so many, can I even refer to them as being honest doctors? So many of these doctors were prescribing this stuff to people knowing that it would kill them. Knowing that it would kill them. 
Purdue would systematically stonewall this reality year after year, lining up political heavy hitters like former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani to run interference. Lawsuits against Purdue did start proliferating in the early 2000s. Purdue made them go away by settling out of court before any incriminating documents revealed in the pretrial discovery process could ever see the light of day. So you see how they abuse the legal system. Meanwhile, the death toll mounted in hard-hit Pike County, Kentucky. Nearly 30% of local residents either had lost a family member to OxyContin addiction or knew someone outside of their family who did. Kind of like COVID. The fortune of the various branches of the Sackler clan mounted as well. The combined Sackler clan has become, Forbes calculates, one of America's richest families with a current net worth at $13 billion. In 2015, the Sacklers pulled in an estimated $700 million in income from their big pharma interests. Amid this enormous fortune, the heirs to the original three Brooklyn brothers have fallen out with each other. Some are even feeling remorse. (laughs) Yeah, I killed thousands of people. I'm so sorry. But others are looking for greener pastures abroad. With the domestic market for opioids seemingly saturated, opioid makers like Purdue Pharma are invading foreign markets. Can you believe it? These same companies, led by Purdue Pharma, are continuing to subsidize nonprofit groups that promote opioid use. Earlier this week, a report from U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill detailed how the nation's five largest opioid makers handed over $10 million in the last five years to 14 of these nonprofits and their affiliated doctors. So, nonprofit organizations are actually a part of organized crime. Revelations about the incredible extent of corporate opioid irresponsibility continue as well. A congressional committee has just found that two of the nation's biggest drug distributors shipped 12.3 million doses of powerful opioids to a single pharmacy in a tiny West Virginia town over an eight-year period. 12.3 million doses. Behind every great fortune, the French novelist Honoré de Balzac once observed, lurks a crime. Some crimes kill. Uh, Update. In response to this story and similar reporting in several other media outlets, a PR firm hired by Arthur Sackler's widow, Jillian, contacted us with a request to publish the statement below. Those interested in a deeper look at the roots of the opioid crisis should be sure to read the stunning piece on this tragedy's blockbuster backstory that appeared last fall in the New Yorker magazine, reporting that informs our inequality.org coverage. In April 2018, ProPublica research added useful additional background on the latest Sackler family claims. So there's a disclaimer here by Jillian Sackler in which she says that Arthur was not guilty and that he, after uh, he, he quit the business is when all of the this, uh, you know, he is definitely responsible for the 
advertising campaigns. But she says her husband, Arthur, did not profit from the opioid crisis. But he started it. (laughs) Okay. So enough on that. All right. So, so in addition to the Sackler family and Purdue Pharmaceuticals, now this is from the New York Times. So this has to be legit, <laughs> right? It ha- if the New York Times criticizes a uh, OxyContin, then that means the jig is up. The jig is up. And this is dated 12-8-2020. McKinsey. McKinsey is a PR firm. Issues a rare apology for its role in OxyContin sales. Okay, we just talked about Arthur Sackler uh, inventing the concept of selling drugs through PR for every means possible. Every means possible. And not really caring about the consequences. So McKinsey is a PR firm. The firm faced criticism after a report revealed that consultants had discussed destroying documents related to the opioid business and proposed that a drug maker pay its distributors rebates for overdoses. Rebates for overdoses. What good does that do? <laughs> Maybe it helps the, the, the people over-prescribing it deal with their legal issues? Maybe that's what's intended there? I'm not sure. Article by Walt Bogdanich and Michael Forsyth. Updated November 5th, 2021. Facing mounting pressure about its role in the opioid crisis, McKinsey has taken the unusual step of acknowledging that its work with Purdue Pharma fell short of its standards and vowed a full internal review of its actions, including the possible destruction of documents. Okay? So, I would say McKinsey, in pushing these drugs and giving the Purdue Pharmaceutical Company legal loopholes to pursue, makes McKinsey, that's spelled with an I, back M-C-K-I-N-S-E-Y, Kinsey, McKinsey, uh, has taken the unusual step of acknowledging that its work with Purdue Pharma fell short. Uh, they never admitted to murdering anybody, right? Which they did. They're just as guilty as Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Criticism of the world's most prestigious consulting firm has intensified since the New York Times reported last month that McKinsey had discussed ways for Purdue to turbocharge sales of its drug OxyContin, proposing that it pay distributors rebates for overdoses linked to the pills they sold. Uh, I'd have to get an explanation of how this works. How do you get rebates for overdoses? So, in other words, if, if there's a problem with the dosage that your customer got, your patient got, then uh, you get a rebate from Purdue Pharmaceuticals? 
I'm not sure how this, they would have to explain how this process worked. Lawmakers, both Democrats and Republicans, have called for McKinsey to be investigated. And a prominent physician employed by the firm says executives who knew of this work should resign. Now, of course, the Sackler brothers, they paid, as I recall, it was like a $58 million fine. Purdue Pharmaceutical paid that fine, but they never got prosecuted for the deaths that were caused by their corruption. Two senior partners at McKinsey discussed whether to purge records related to Purdue. (laughs) Oh, they must have consulted Hillary Clinton. Get the document shredders out. According to documents recently filed in connection with the drug maker's bankruptcy proceedings, McKinsey rarely acknowledges mistakes and has never before accepted responsibility for helping Purdue sell more opioids. Even as hundreds of thousands of people were abusing the highly addictive painkiller and were being killed by it, the firm said that it had stopped advising clients worldwide on the opioid business and that it was cooperating with opioid-related investigations. Well, they'd better, because some of these guys may go to jail, may even get the chair. Quote, As we look back at our client service during the opioid crisis, We recognize that we do not adequately acknowledge the epidemic unfolding in our communities or the terrible impact of opioid abuse and addiction on millions of families across the country, unquote. Now, they knew this was happening to millions of people. And those staggering numbers were not enough for them to change their approach to advise either lesser doses or stop using the drug entirely. Whatever has a pharmaceutical company stopped issuing a drug, they have to get a, you have to sue them and sue them big time for them to stop doing what they're doing. Or what are, because the corporate executives never get prosecuted for the harm they do. This statement was made by McKinsey in a statement published on its website on Saturday. So they admitted that they didn't do things right, right? But they didn't admit to killing thousands and thousands of people. The firm continued, We have been undertaking a full review of the work in question, including into the 2018 email exchange, which referenced potential deletion of documents. We continue to cooperate fully with authorities investigating these matters. They must have been consulting for Hillary Clinton as well. Purdue recently pleaded guilty to criminal charges, including defrauding federal health agencies and paying illegal kickbacks to doctors. So that's how they got otherwise honest doctors, your local doctors, to keep prescribing these deadly drugs kickbacks. Folks, you have to wonder how many honest doctors are there left. McKinsey has not been charged or sued for its work with opioids, and there is no evidence that the rebate program was enacted. A McKinsey spokesman said the rebates were not intended to boost sales. Any suggestion that McKinsey sought to increase overdoses or abuse is wrong. <laughs> Rebates for overdoses? Sounds to me like that would increase overdoses. 
That wasn't our intention, they say. That said, we recognize that we have a responsibility to take into account the broader context and implications of the work that we do. Our work for Purdue fell short of that standard. Unquote. Well, my understanding is that they fall short in just about everything they do. The opio- Here's a, a summary of the opioid crisis here. From powerful pharmaceuticals to illegally made synthetics, opioids are fueling a deadly drug crisis in America, and that's, of course, still continuing today. Uh, don't know how bad it is compared to the heyday of uh, opioid crisis because people are finally figuring out that it's evil. Finally figuring that out. Origins of an epidemic. Bullet point. Purdue Pharma knew OxyContin was widely misused, but continued to promote the painkiller as less addictive. Number two, an unrelenting surge. Deaths from drug overdoses again rose to record-breaking levels in 2021. So it's still going on. Nearing 108,000, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So the government is allowing this to happen too, folks. Where's the FDA? Where's the CDC? What are they doing about this? Nothing. Bullet point number three, a settlement. Purdue Pharma reached a deal with a group of states that long resisted the structure of the original bankruptcy plan. Here is what the statement agreement means. I'm not going to bother clicking on that. Uh, Okay, wow. Uh, Bullet point number four. Detailing tragedies. As part of the settlement, families who lost loved ones to opioid addiction were allowed to address the owners of Purdue Pharma in court. How opioids work. Through interviews with users and experts, we created a visual representation of how these drugs hijack the brain. Okay? It feels good, doesn't it? In a statement this fall, Purdue said it deeply regrets and accepts responsibility for misconduct involving its marketing of OxyContin. From 1999 to last year, almost 450,000 Americans died from overdoses involving opioids. Again, these are legal prescription drugs, folks. 450,000. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Well, why weren't they preventing this from happening? When Purdue introduced OxyContin, it was one of the most addictive prescription painkillers on the market. So it's not just addiction to painkilling, but it's addiction to the high you get from it. The new disclosures have caused some current and former McKinsey employees to speak out. Ms. Dr. Dinah Marie Pitta, a physician at McKinsey, wrote a widely distributed email to her colleagues late last month saying in recent news coverage made it clear that the firm needs to transform rather than remediate. Yeah, they, maybe some of them need to go to jail. Dr. Pitta concluded, quote, systems, not people, must change to avoid future failures. Yet, while well, the people who created these systems need to change too. Yet the leadership involved knew the great potential for harm and were complicit. 
This leadership should take accountability for their role, including resignation from the firm, without a parachute package upon departure. Yeah, kick them out. They're, they're lucky they don't get the chair. One former consultant aimed his ire at the two senior partners the Times identified as overseeing work with Purdue, Martin Elling and Dr. Arnab Gatak, a physician who helped drive OxyContin sales amid the crisis. And after Massachusetts sued Purdue and some of its board members, exchanged emails discussing the possible document purge. Okay, so now we have to purge the documents linking us to the OxyContin crisis, don't you know, okay? Corruption, 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 savage corruption. It appeared to me that through vigorously promoting this crime against humanity, these senior consultants have come close to producing that much feared lethal blemish on the great McKinsey name, Aaron Zimmerman, who worked as an associate at the firm from 2001 to 2003, wrote in an open letter that he posted on LinkedIn. I don't know that their reputation was ever that good. I think they were involved in the Enron scandal. The Enron scandal. So uh, they probably made big bucks off of that. McKinsey's role in helping Purdue push OxyContin drew harsh rebuke from lawmakers. Senator Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, we just talked about him earlier, sent a letter last week to Kevin Sneeder, McKinsey's global managing partner, asking the firm to answer by December 15th whether it destroyed the documents and provide additional information, including how much money it it earned for its work with Purdue. In light of McKinsey's possible active role in driving the opioid crisis, Congress must consider whether to impose obligations on consulting firms to report criminal activity or specific criminal penalties for consultants playing a role in federal crimes, Mr. Hawley wrote. About time, if it ever happens. I don't think it's happened yet. Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat of Hawaii, wrote in a Twitter post shortly after the Times article in November that it was essential that the next Attorney General pursue all of these criminals, unquote. Phil Murphy, the New Jersey's Democratic governor, told reporters last month that McKinsey's work with Purdue was beyond the pale, particularly its proposal that Purdue pay pharmacy companies like CVS rebates when their customers overdosed on OxyContin. By the way, Walgreens, CVS, and uh, I think even Walmart have had lawsuits filed against them for their participation in this obviously deadly business model. But he said that McKinsey's extensive work with the state would continue, really. I guess they're handling their other affairs very profitably. Mr. Elling and Dr. Gatak did not respond to emails seeking comment. Mr. Elling was for years based in New Jersey, where McKinsey has a large office serving the many pharmaceutical companies in the state some of which are among McKinsey's biggest clients. So here you see consulting firms and insurance companies. I'm wondering how do, how do the insurance companies make a profit with all of these claims against the companies they insure? How do they stay in business? I, my suspicion is they simply 
get paid off by the Rothschilds, the Rothschilds print money and put it in the bank accounts of these insurance companies so they can stay afloat. But his profile page on McKinsey's website in recent days showed that he had transferred to Bangkok. <laughs> oh, I got to get out of town. Thailand is a relatively small market for the firm, but it's still a market. Maybe if they use the same tactics they use in America, they can make more customers. Dr. Gatak, a senior partner at McKinsey since 2000, who has also worked in New Jersey, has a medical degree from the University of Pennsylvania. At McKinsey, he wrote about the need to improve health care in developing countries. Yeah, they need our drugs. They need to get hooked on our drugs. In the wake of several widely publicized reports involving McKinsey's work with controversial clients around the world, including authoritarian governments, the firm said it was taking steps to change the way it selected which projects to undertake. Well, should, should we take the less, less profitable, honest projects or the more profitable, dishonest projects? What a decision, right? Quote, there are still numerous investigations and cases pending against the industry. You should not expect this will be the last time McKinsey's work is referenced. Several of McKinsey's top executives, led by Liz Hilton Siegel, the managing partner for North America, wrote in a memo to employees hours after the Times published its article in November. While we can't change the past, we can learn from it, she says. So, what have you learned? What have you learned? Don't be so obvious in your corruption. <laughs> is that what they have learned? At McKinsey, I doubt that they have learned much more than that, folks. Okay, so another article on this subject. This is from, uh, this is from Bing. All right, this is the Santa Clara University Levy School of Business. Levy being spelled L-E-A-V-E-Y, Levy School of Business. Department of Management and Entrepreneurship, Camille Spence. Justin Armanito on McKinsey. So the article is actually is written by Justin Armanito. My name is Justin Armanito, and I am a sophomore at Santa Clara University studying finance. I have always had a passion for social justice, and when Professor Santoro reached out with the opportunity to pursue business ethics research with him as a fellow for the MSBEHR, whatever program that is, Management and Entrepreneurship, something like that, Business Ethics, I knew I couldn't turn it down. I am currently working with Camille Spence on researching McKinsey and Company's involvement in the opioid crisis with Purdue Pharma, since they consulted Purdue Pharma on how to increase profits for the OxyContin sales. So far, Camille and I have spent our time researching relevant articles, reading through emails between Purdue executives and McKinsey consultants, and determining what legal liabilities or ethical responsibilities that McKinsey did not abide by. And there have to be lots. Through our research, we have confirmed a clear trend of unethical behavior by McKinsey. We have also determined that their behavior and involvement in the opioid crisis is comparable to that of Purdue Pharma. McKinsey and Company's plans to increase the sales of OxyContin for Purdue Pharma, despite knowing the risks that OxyContin posed in terms of addiction and death, 
are purely unethical. So says this young person. He looks like he's in his 20s. McKinsey chose to disregard the welfare of others to increase its clients' profits, which of course increased their profits, which uses the intended buyers as a means to an end. Yeah, more profit. Our research has opened my eyes to the lack of accountability in the pharmaceutical industry. Yes. As well as the consulting industry. And as someone who hopes to one day be a consultant, it has made me aware of the moral ambiguity that seems to be deeply rooted in corporate consulting. Is there an industry that isn't totally corrupt these days? And I guess co-author Camille Spence on McKinsey. My name is Camille Spence, and I'm a sophomore in the Levy School of Business Studying Finance. I'm thrilled to be working alongside Michael Santoro and my team to carry out research on business ethics. I think understanding and implementing a mindset of corporate social responsibility. (laughs) Oh, man. You want to change the world, don't you? Is an integral part of our studies at Santa Clara University and will ensure our future career success. I am currently working alongside Justin Armanito, researching McKinsey and Company's role in perpetuating the opioid crisis through consulting with Purdue Pharma on how to increase sales of their drug, OxyContin. Okay, so it's not just the pharmaceutical companies. It's the insurance companies. It's the consulting firms. It's advertising agencies, etc., etc. The entire industry is corrupt, folks. The entire industry. We have conducted our research through reading relevant articles and producing document evidence to determine whether McKinsey and Company failed to ensure their ethical responsibilities and legal compliance. Further, we have compared the McKinsey case to past legal case studies, such as the Ford Pinto case, to examine overlaps in unethical behavior. Now, the Ford Pinto case, if you don't recall, was exploding gas tanks. And apparently the Ford Pinto had a real problem with that. But there was also an episode I remember very clearly where CBS, I believe it was CBS, anyway, one of the big three uh, TV corporations at the time actually staged exploding gas tanks by igniting the fumes with a spark from underneath a car, okay? Uh, Just to get some good optics, right? You have to get good optics on, on your news reports, right? Our research illustrates a clear trend towards valuing profit over human welfare, as both the McKinsey and Ford Pinto cases have demonstrated planned uh, protections such as rebate plans for overdoses against known potential damages and liabilities, thus proving the companies had definitely realized the harmful implications of their actions. Discussions about Justin and I's finding with Professor Santoro have enlightened me on the lack of ethics still greatly present in many of our major business structures and sectors. How about in colleges and universities? You want to talk about lack of ethics and promoting white guilt and corporate privilege? I mean, the universities are loaded with corporate privilege, with vaccine corporations coming uh, to, you know, and oh, how about medical schools? You want to talk about corruption? Let's talk about the universities, Camille. (laughs) 
And it doesn't end. You need to investigate the whole caboodle, right? Discussions about Justin and I's findings. Uh, I hope by furthering my research, I will continue to understand ways in which company culture and management structures can positively impact corporate ethical behavior. How about investigating the CDC and the FDA for not intervening? They knew about this too, did they not? Oh, or are you one of those liberals who says the government can do no wrong? <laughs> okay. All right. So, interestingly here, uh, I think we have time for one more short article. This is good news here. McKinsey is sued over consultative role in OxyContin promotion. Written by Carolyn Casey, J.D. Okay, so we see a lawsuit against McKinsey. (coughs) Something they deserve. And and I know uh, the Sackler brothers lost a big settlement but they didn't uh, include the amount in the last article. A class action lawsuit filed in West Virginia federal court on January 31, 2021, seeks to hold the behemoth consulting firm McKinsey and Company accountable for its role in boosting the sales of opioid painkiller OxyContin. According to the complaint, McKinsey advised OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma on how to grow sales and expand marketing strategies for the drug. This consultation allegedly occurred in the thick of the nation's opioid crisis, fanning the flames of addiction. The legal action against McKinsey comes just months after Purdue Pharma pled guilty to three criminal felonies related to OxyContin's distribution and related abuse during the opioid crisis. Okay, so let me, I'm going to click on this link where it pled guilty to see if I can find how much they were fined. And, of course, the the fighting of uh, the company doesn't <laughs> doesn't provide justice for the victims, right? Doesn't provide justice for the victims. How about uh, providing, you know, recompense to all the families that suffered through this entire process? So we're talking about major, savage corruption. Savage corruption. That's what this is, folks. Okay, I don't see a uh, monetary settlement included in this link. But uh, these these companies need to die. They need to die. They need to be utterly destroyed as a lesson to other companies that might be doing the same thing. So, uh, so I have to uh, find this article again. Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. West Virginia takes action. The case was brought by the County Commission uh, of Mingo County and the town of Kermit, West Virginia, an area hit particularly hard by opioid addiction. Over the course of a two-year period, about 9 million prescription painkillers were shipped to a single pharmacy in the tiny town of Kermit, population 392. Can you believe that a small town like that could consume that many painkillers. Well, I'm sure there are probably customers coming from all over the county and maybe even from other states once they heard the gravy train was rolling. Kermit sits in Mingo County, which has the fourth highest prescription opioid death rate of any county in the United States. 
across the state. Purdue and other pharmaceutical companies supplied nearly 780 million oxycodone and hydrocodone pills from 2007 to 2012. That volume of highly addictive painkillers equals roughly 433 pills for every citizen of the state. During that time, 1,728 West Virginians lost their lives to overdose on these two drugs. According to this West Virginia municipality, Purdue's acute opioid infiltration could not have been achieved without the guidance from McKinsey and Company. The County Commission of Mingo County et al. versus McKinsey and Company Incorporated. The complaint begins by citing a 2000 settlement, 2007 settlement in which Purdue Pharma admitted to misbranding OxyContin in its marketing. John Brownlee, United States Attorney for the Western District of Virginia, stated, quote, Even in the face of warnings from healthcare professionals, the media, and members of its own sales force that OxyContin was being widely abused and causing harm to our citizens, Purdue continued to push fraudulent marketing campaign that prompted or promoted OxyContin as less addictive less subject to abuse, and less likely to cause withdrawal, unquote. In reality, OxyContin abuse resulted in scores of deaths in West Virginia. In a settlement, Purdue agreed to comply with a corporate integrity agreement containing strict terms on fair and accurate information and reporting on the sale of its products, including OxyContin. So, a slap on the wrist. If I remember correctly, it was something like $65 million. This is still a slap on the wrist for a company that deliberately murdered, deliberately murdered thousands of people. Thousands of people, folks. And these corporations get away with it constantly. Okay, let's continue. McKinsey's role. Uh... The complaint says that one of the first things McKinsey did was tell Purdue that Walgreens OxyContin units were down 18%, affecting high dosage sales. McKinsey's solution was to advise Purdue to lobby Walgreens owners to increase sales. The consultants also suggested Purdue set up a direct mail specialty pharmacy for direct sales to Walgreens customers. A prime tactic was the launch of opioid savings cards. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Opioid savings cards distributed in the neighborhoods with Walgreens locations to encourage the use of OxyContin. So now I see what Walgreens, how Walgreens was complicit. They're also being sued. So is Walmart and uh, uh, I can't remember, uh, CVS, I'm pretty sure. In, uh, in partnership with Purdue, with about uh, two and a half minutes left, the plaintiffs further assert that in 2009, McKinsey partnered with Purdue's chief medical officer and team to assess how to counter emotional messages from mothers with teenagers that overdosed in OxyContin. Oh, no. Okay. So you have all these crying mothers saying, my child was murdered by Purdue Pharmaceuticals. We have to have advertising that counters those messages. Cold-blooded. Cold-blooded and savage. 
is what these corporations are, folks. Cold-blooded and savage. McKinsey divides OxyContin messaging based on the false and misleading notion that the drug can provide freedom and peace of mind for its users and concomitantly reduce stress and isolation. I don't think there's any addictive drug that reduces isolation. They all create isolation for the abuser. And they certainly don't reduce stress. They might kill pain and get you high, but they don't reduce stress and isolation. So, folks, this is the level of advertising we have today in Big Pharma and the associated industries that encourage this sort of thing. And you better be careful. My advice to everybody is to stay away from Big Pharma at all costs if you possibly can. Don't get involved in it. But if you have to, make sure you've got a doctor who is not going to get you hooked on painkillers. Consult with your doctor. Find a good doctor. And if he's not a good doctor, find another one. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody. This is a sad, sad story and a really sad commentary on corporate America, our lack of uh, government uh, uh, intrusion into these affairs, etc., etc. Folks, it's not going to get any better because the, the drug ads on television are getting even more numerous. Thanks for listening. Praise the Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Folks, see you next time. Bye-bye. Messiah